Welcome to Hope for the Home. Here at Faith Baptist Church, we take the home very seriously. We believe that God's Word will give us just what we need to heal, to build, to encourage, and to strengthen our families. On this new podcast, you'll hear various speakers bring their personal lives and the Word of God together and apply these truths to dating, marriage, training of our children, even growing old together. I'm sure you'll enjoy these messages based on the Word of God. There will be new messages every week, and it's our prayer that these messages will bring you hope for the home. First is in the Song of Solomon. So open your Bibles, please, to the Song of Solomon. Starting off with verse number 12 of chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse number 12. Tonight I'm going to to cover a little teensy bit of ground that we covered before, and then I'm going to cover some more. I'm going to talk to you tonight about every title that this couple gave to each other. Most of these titles are titles that were given to the bride or the bridegroom. And uh, I want to talk to them tonight. Look at chapter 1 and verse 12. While the king, notice the word king, sitteth at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. Now, most of these are in chapter 5. Uh, they're found other places in the Song of Solomon, but in chapter 5, they're all bundled together. In verse 1 of chapter 5, I am come to my garden, my sister. That's the second word I want you to notice. My spouse. That's the third word I want you to notice. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I've eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends, drink, yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. That's the next word I want you to notice. We've, we've seen the word king. We've seen the word sister. We've seen the word spouse. Now we see the word beloved in verse number two. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove. I'm thinking the word love there. Dove is a figure of speech. Uh, she wasn't a dove. It, it meant she was peaceful. But uh, the word love there is a title he gave to her, my my love. Look down to verse number, uh, let's see, verse number 10. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. That word chiefest means the hero. Hero is what she called him, my hero. And then in verse 16, his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. There's that word again. And this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. I'm just going to read one of the verse. How beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. I want you to close your Bibles now, and I want to talk to you about these seven words that these, the bride, the bride and the groom, called each other. Now, folks, listen to me. Uh, you've got a preacher. sure does want to help your marriage these, these days. He sure does. And there's just no need for Christian people not to have decent marriages. And so I, I want you to listen to me tonight. I almost entitled this, How to Guarantee Your Wife Will Be Romantic. How to Guarantee Your Wife Will Be Romantic. But I, I couldn't. Uh, I, 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 we got some ladies here, I just never gonna be romantic, but, I, I'm, I'm in so much trouble right now, I, I, I don't know where to go from here, but, but I'll, I promise you, I promise you, that most of the women who are not romantic for their husbands could be. I said most, uh, some wouldn't, couldn't, would not, but uh, I, I want to talk to you tonight on a very tender subject. The titles that these lovers, young husband and wife, used for each other. Our Heavenly Father, I sure would like to be a blessing. I'd like to add some sweetness, tenderness, 
kindness, romance, love, thoughtfulness, and gentleness in the marriages in this room tonight. And I'm convinced that 95% of all the marital problems could be solved if the folks had listened to what I'm going to say in the next few minutes and abide by it. So help me to be careful to teach it right and us to listen carefully. Amen. And now, Father, bless our study together. May we listen carefully and obey dutifully. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me start off by saying that marriage is not a contract. Marriage is not a contract. Marriage is not where you say, I'll do this if you'll do this. And if you won't do it, I won't do it. It's not a contract. Marriage is not an agreement. Marriage is a commitment. A commitment. If you are making car payments, you signed a commitment that you'd make that payment on a certain day, let's say the first day of the month. Now, if you don't like that car anymore, you still got to make that payment. You made a commitment. If you think you've got a raw deal after a while, you still got to make that payment because you made a commitment. When you got married, you made a commitment. And let me say this, it's supposed to be a unilateral commitment. When I read the, or quote the vows up here on this platform, and I'm going to talk to you from behind the pulpit tonight earnestly and frankly and lovingly and pastorally. When I quote the vows up here for you young people when you get married, I don't say, would you say these words, I, John, take thee, Mary, to my wedded wife, to have and to hold, love and to cherish. If she'll love me and cherish me, I'll love and cherish her. Doesn't say that at all. There is not one single bargaining, not one single agreement, one single contract. It is a commitment where you say, I will to death do us part. Now, I went through the Song of Solomon. In fact, I read it through five times today. And uh, the entire Song of Solomon. And I, to, to be sure, I had found everything this couple called each other. Now, I want to go through these. I, I, I'm, I'm placing them in the order that I think they should be. Everything that I give you tonight, every word, every the thing that, that this couple calls each other is in the, in the, in the Bible. The order that I'm giving them to you tonight is not in the Bible. It's the order that I think every relationship, every marriage ought to have. Now, the first thing, and I want you to just listen to me and, and listen to me carefully. The first thing I want you to notice that this couple called each other was friend. Friend. Every single romantic relationship. And I'm talking about the what ends in marriage or begins in marriage. Every single marriage ought to start off with friendship. Not, she's so pretty, I can't be without her. Not, I fell for her at first sight. No, it ought to start off being friend. I want to take that word friends. There are two words in the Bible for friend. One friend means one, it means, the word is Phileo, just plain old phileo. It means like. Now, the first thing that you ought to do, we're, we're talking about you're having a good marriage now. The first thing you ought to do to each other is like each other. That's the first thing. It is more important that you like each other than that you love each other. The honest, simple truth is I think that like is more near to love than what we talk about when we talk about love today. You need to like somebody. That means that you like their personality. You like their character. I don't mean you like their looks. You like somebody. Now, that's the first thing. Now, the second meaning of the word, uh, of the word friend in the Bible is the word for partner. That is a decision for you to, uh, to enter into a partnership with somebody. Now, this is the kind of, <laughs> see, to like somebody is caused by him. I like him. What does it mean? I, he, he's kind. He's friendly. 
he's generous, he's good, he's, he's uh, uh, gentle. I like him. Now, that's called the object. Now, in this, the word, the other word friend, which means contract, I'm sorry, partner, means you choose to be a partner to somebody. Now, this is a, this word friend is a unilateral decision, which means that you make it, uh, uh, you can be somebody's friend whether they're your friend or not. It, you decide to be somebody's friend. And it is something. You should never, never, never consider a sweetheart until first you have decided to be that person's friend. Now, if you, it, all you, th- th- this will guarantee you'll never divorce. This will guarantee that you'll always love each other if you become a friend. Because Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loveth at all times. Which means if you become friends first, you'll never say truthfully, I don't love her anymore. Because you have committed yourself to be a friend of that person. And once you have committed yourself to be a friend of that person, not, not, not an agreement now. I'll like you if you will like me. I'll be your friend if you might. No, I'll be your friend if you're not my friend. And by the way, you don't even have to tell the object of the friendship that you're their friend. You just go out, go, go about being their friend. It needs no reciprocation. Now, the word is partner. Let me tell you the kind of romance that I, that I, I, I feel good about. I'm sitting in my waiting room with a couple, uh, with a young man. He's getting married in a few minutes. The bride's up in the bridal room. And I said, when did, how did you first notice her? I've had this said a dozen times at least. I first noticed how much she loved the children on the bus route. Now, that dead sure beats, I sure like that figure. That dead sure beats, she sure is pretty. That dead sure beats, I fell for her the first time I saw her. Now, you listen to me carefully. These, these couples, the fellow says, I noticed her first and was impressed with her first. I liked the way she handled and loved the children on the bus ride. Now, what is it? They had a common bond. They were, please, they were partners. Now, I want to say this. You couples, young married couples, do things together. Now, I'm not trying to say a fellow should never play golf, but I'm saying you shouldn't play golf too, too many times. This is why I play golf with him. Uh, far too many of you fellows are going hunting by yourselves too often. And you're going fishing by yourselves too often. I'm not trying to make you do what I want you to do. I'm trying to let you have a good marriage. Now, the truth is you need to learn to do things together. Work together, plan together, do something together. I'm not talking about just playing now, though I am talking about that. But the first relationship that a couple ought to have for a happy marriage is, I like her. I like her. The second one is, we are partners. That, those, those two words in the Greek are the words for friend. One word is phileo or phalos, which means I like him or I like her. And uh, the other is for partners, uh, comrades, if you please, fellows, if you please, uh, a partnership, a common venture together. Now, this is, this is a third, a second word and a third step. I said, now, listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing tonight that, that, that you'll have a happy marriage if, you do what, if you'll do what these folks called each other. First thing is friend, friend to like each other. Second, to share things with each other as partners, if you please. And number three, he called her sister. We talked about this before, but I want to give you something new about it tonight. The word sister in the original language means the same kind. That's all. The same kind. When he said to her, my sister, my spouse, what he was saying was, we are the same kind. We have some things in common. Now, that's the reason why it normally is better for a person who grows up in one country not to marry a person who grows up in another country. That's why normally it's better for a person very wealthy not to marry a person very poor. That's why normally, the, the more things you have in common, the more chance you're going to have to have a happy marriage. So, 
Um, the word the word sister means of the same kind, things in common. Now look at me. I get a little tired of folks coming to my office saying, for the house that we're having a problem, we just don't have anything in common. Well, then, by cracky, go get something in common. You almost, you almost act like that it's something that knocks you in the head and gives you something in common. No, you sit down as intelligent people and say we don't have anything in common, so let's get something in common. Funny thing. Dr. Bob Gray is a hard-hitting preacher. And, uh, he, he, uh, he delights himself in working real hard. He took up golf, but didn't want me to know about it. And he's done everything he could to keep me from finding out he plays golf because uh, he thinks I'll lose confidence in him, and I did. But uh, he, he begs the other preacher, but Bill, you've heard it, you've heard it all, but he begs these guys, don't tell Brother House. Don't tell Brother House. We're out in Colorado Springs preaching, and, uh, and uh, Bob was going somewhere. Dr. Gray, I shouldn't call him Bob in public, but Bobby was going somewhere. And uh, I said, where are you going? He said, never mind. And one guy walked up and said, he's going to go play golf. And I just whispered a prayer, Lord, make it rain. It came a gully washer. It rained out the entire golf game. But I said, how do you take that much time? Your wife, it takes about four hours to play 18 holes of golf. And how do you get that much time? He said, my wife drives the cart. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about being a chauffeur, but but that beats him going and playing by him with some of the boys. Now I'm in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. But the tragedy is, listen carefully now. Some of you guys have more in common with other guys. You the, the the mother of your children. You have more things in common with your friends at work than you do with the wife at home. Now this guy said, he said, my sister. What he's saying is. My same kind. My, my uh, friend, that means I like you. My partner, that means that we do things together. And then he said, my sister, my same kind. My, uh, my sister, my sister and I have the same mother. We have the same father. We grew up in the same town. For several years, we lived in the same little houses, and we are of the same family, and we are of the same kind. So when the, when the uh, bridegroom said to the bride, you're my sister, he's saying, we are of the same kind, and we have a lot of things that we have in common. Now, listen carefully. Step number one was to like each other. Step number two was to be partners to each other and do things together. Step number three was to be of the same kind. Now, I'll be honest with you. That means uh, that uh, all things being equal, folks in the same neighborhood have, have an advantage to folks not in the same neighborhood. All things being equal, that means two people go to the same college have an advantage to folks who go to different colleges. All things being equal, folks who go to the same church have a better chance than folks who go to different churches. The more things that you have in common, the better chance you've got to have a happy marriage. Now, see, all you do, you saw, oh, I flipped for the first time I saw her. You're going to flip back one of these days when she weighs 280 pounds. And uh, you're going to flip back. That's all there is to it. Now, you're going to do it. Now, may I tell you young folks what you are? You're idiots. You morons, you're imbeciles, and you retardos, uh, educable soul. Uh, the most important decision you make in your life, apart from saying yes to Jesus Christ, is choosing your mate. And you choose her like you'd choose a banana split. It sure looks good. It sure looks good. A banana split's melt. She won't melt. You'll wish she did, but... I, I'm saying, I'm giving you some things tonight that will help you have a happy marriage. Number one, like each other. Number two, do things together. Number three, have things in common. That's sister. Number four, 
He called her his spouse. That is an interesting word. The word spouse in the Bible comes from the word harmony. Hear me carefully now. It comes from the word harmony. When he said, you're my spouse, he said, you're the one I get along with. You're the one I have harmony with. Now, you listen to me carefully. Don't, don't, don't look around. Listen carefully. You choose somebody you can get along with. I mean, good night. Uh, yeah, I'd rather get along with somebody. I had to put a sack over their face. If I get along with them, they'd be married to, married to Marilyn Monroe. Well, of course, I wouldn't want to be married to her anyway. But... There was it. Anyway. Now, what does it mean? It means harmony. Now, listen carefully. If you can't get along while you're dating each other, don't you think for a single moment you're going to get along inside the same house? Look at me now. No talking. No talking. Look at me. Don't you think you're going to get along you get in the same house? I mean, don't you, if you can't, if you can't get along while you're having a date with each other and while you're eating at a restaurant together and while you're talking to each other at college or the high school, you can't get along. You wait till the hot water don't work. Or the commode gets stopped up. Now, now you listen to me. You don't, listen to me. Now listen, I, I'm trying to help you. I, I don't mind us laughing if it lasts at the right time. I don't want you carelessly just thinking, well, I'm just piddling. I'm not piddling. I'm trying to save you a marriage. I'm trying to give you a decent marriage, and you need to listen to what I'm saying. You shouldn't marry someone you don't get along with. You say, it's too late. Okay, then get along with each other. I, I said, get along with each other. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. I said, get along with each other. Well, you sit with the house. We just can't hit it off. Did you ever hear about the Holy Spirit? He happens to live in you. There's no need in this world for two people who are God's children who have committed themselves to each other not to get along with each other. Now, these are things they called each other. She called him, or he called, they called each other friends. That means in the first place, I like him, and I like her. That means in the second place, we have entered into a partnership. And that means we do things together. It's, it's like, it's like uh, the same yoke. Two animals, the same yoke, pulling the same load, uh, doing something together. And then he said, she's my sister, same kind, we have things in common. And then he said, she's my spouse. And that word spouse means harmony. I've said this again and again. I could cut down 95% of my marital counseling if either party in the marriage would be a decent Christian. Either party. I'm saying it's time that, look, it's time that Christian people were different from the heathen people. I had a policeman tell me he's been called to some, some homes yeah, uh, members in our church having fights with each other in the first place. You sorry, good-for-nothing male that would lay your hand on a woman. You ought to be beaten at the stake. What a he-man you are. No, you're not. You're a sissy, cowardly punk. That's exactly what you are. But I want to go a step further. You part punk if you fuss at her. Why don't you say you're my spouse? That's harmony. Harmony. Now I'm giving you a step by step. Now by the way, we haven't got down to holding hands yet. We haven't got down to boopsy whoopsy goochie goochie and lovey dovey yet. We're not there yet. We started off this relationship liking each other. And then we got, secondly, we became partners. We got in the same yoke and shared something together. And then we became brothers and sisters, which means we're the same kind. We got some things in common. 
And then we became spouses, which means we had harmony with each other. We come down to the next one. He called her friend. He called her sister. He called her spouse. And then he called her princess. I think about that. I think it would have to be all right. He always called his wife Kathy Princess. He, he, he worried me. He said, well, I was over in, uh, in the Middle East. I went to the, to the room there with the princess. I thought, good night. He can go to that same room with the princess in the Middle East. He, but he called his wife Princess. Now, I'm not saying you, you ought to call your wife Princess. But I'm saying this much. I'm saying, by the way, not only did he call her princess, but she called him king. Now, what does it mean? It means that, and I'm not, first thing some of you guys are saying, yeah, I'm the king, I'm the ruler. Oh, shut up, you're not even close to it. If your wife comes in, I'll grant the, the divorce myself. It means that you ought to treat each other like royalty. exactly what it means. It means that a married man, listen to me, a married man is supposed to treat his wife like she was royalty. And a married woman is supposed to treat her husband like he was royalty. Now, you, you get the progression. We start off just liking each other. And then, after we liked each other, we, 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 we got in the same uh, yoke together and had the same work with partners. And then after partners, we became sister, which means of the same kind, we got some things in common. I'm talking to couples here right now. I don't have one solitary thing in common except you have to be parents of the same children. It would, you'd be a lot better off if you just washed the dishes together. See if she'll help you, fellas. You'd be a lot better off if you just if you just work in the yard together. You'd be a lot better off if you just uh, clean the house together. Uh, I do something, some things together. All right. Starts off. You want to have a happy marriage. First, you like each other. Second, enter into a partnership. The same yoke. You share something together. Then, as a sister of the same kind, you have some have some things in common. And then, as a spouse. You have harmony. You get along with each other. Just resolve that you're not going to you're not going to fuss anymore. Just resolve that that you're going to have harmony, and then treat her like joy. Now listen carefully. If you ladies expect to be treated like a princess, it might be wise if you acted like a princess. You're not going to run around in your blue jeans. And your shorts, and look like a Hollywood whore, and be treated like a princess. Now, all you fellows sitting in and talk, amen, and talk to you a while. You ought to be the kind of person as a husband whose wife could look at you as royalty. I've said it again and again and again. When Abraham Sarah called Abraham Lord. He wasn't laying down in the, on a sofa in the den with his shorts and undershirt on, eating popcorn, watching the Cowboys and the Bears play ball. There's a certain kind of a dignity and a propriety that Abraham had that made Sarah, listen, listen to me now, made Sarah call him Lord. Look at me. You ladies ought to behave yourself and you ought to care for yourself. Your beauty, your person, your poise, your manner of life. So as your husband looks at you and you, he sees you all dressed up, he says, wow, that's my woman. That's the woman I get to kiss. That's the woman I get to embrace. That's, wow, that princess there. So treat your wife like a princess. Treat your husband like a king. Now, 
I can save you about a thousand dollars in psychiatrist fees if you would listen to what I'm saying. These dumb psychiatrists, most of them have been married three times. I, I can tell you, a preacher boy uh, from this church, pastor of the church, quit pastoring, listened to me, got a divorce, married again, and became a marital counselor. He grew up here. I mean, he got a divorce, and within a year after he got married again, he was teaching marital counseling. Now, listen, I'm giving you stuff that will give you a happy marriage because it's from the book. Now, listen, here's the progression. They liked each other. They became partners together. They had things in common. They had a harmony, spouse. He treated her like she was a princess. Uh, hey, hey, you guys that get out of the car and you go into the restaurant and you walk about four or five steps ahead of your wife. I hope some dog bites you while you're ahead of up there. You ought to be back there helping her out of the car. Help her up the steps. Hold her arm as she goes up the steps. If you get on the escalator, you be sure that you're below her in case she falls. You can catch her. Well, you say she can climb steps by herself. That's not the issue. The issue is she's supposed to be treated like a princess. And the issue is that you're supposed to treat him like he were a king. Now, we're taking the progression here. You like each other. You do things together. You have things in common. You get along with each other, have harmony. You treat each other like royalty. Now, the next word to use is for, we, we've used the word friend, sister, spouse, and prince, princess, and king. The next word to use was the word beloved. Beloved. Now, this is the word used more than any other word. He called her, her his beloved. And she, more than any other word, called him her beloved. Now, listen to what the word beloved means. The word beloved is the word, in the Greek is the word agape. Of course, it's not the Greek in, in, in Song of Solomon. Here's what it means. It means that you are supposed to treasure your wife. You're supposed to treasure your wife like you would treasure a beautiful diamond that you're trying to preserve or keep. You're supposed to care for your wife and treasure your wife like you would treasure a beautiful piece of crystal that you're trying to keep from dropping and breaking. The word is treasure. In the marriage vows, the word I like the most is the word cherish. Cherish. That's what it means. You're supposed to treasure. Now, now look at me a minute. Do you know what you did when you married your wife? You took her from her father. You took her from her mother. You took her from her brothers and sisters. You took her from her house. In some cases, her own private room. In many cases, you took her from her church. And moved out of the area. You took her from her neighborhood. You absolutely are substituting yourself for every other relationship that she had. Now you look at me. You owe her more than to treat her casually. Are you listening to me? You owe her more than to fuss at her. And scream at her. And get impatient with her. I'm simply saying... Treasure that woman. Every woman has a right to feel that way. I feel so sorry for these ladies that got goons for husbands. I feel so sorry for these ladies that have been forsaken by husbands. I feel sorry for these ladies that have no one to treasure them. Now listen carefully. That means, okay, 
my sister's husband left her, and she, it was about treasure. So I could take his place, and I could treasure my sister. But every woman has a right, a God-given right, to feel feminine. If you're going to feel feminine, dress feminine. And there's so many things upset me in this generation now. I want, I'm going to get me a gun and kill everybody. Miss Howell and I were sitting in a, in a Baker Square the other day eating a sandwich. This guy walked up and said, you guys ready to order? If he had been smaller. I wanted to grab that big punk in the collar and say, take a second look here, Buster. This ain't no guy. And yet you kids sitting down the front. Hey, you guys, you can call girls guys. I can teach you biology. It's time that women acted feminine, and it's time that men treated women like they are feminine. Treasure her. I'm going to make a statement here. Listen carefully. Most jealousy is caused by deficiency. Most jealous women, not all of them, but most of them, listen to me, are jealous because they have not been treasured enough themselves. There's a way that you can make a lady feel so treasured and so loved and so precious and so cared for that she'll know she's it. And there's a way that you can make a fellow feel so loved and so cared for till he won't be jealous. I say most jealousy is caused by deficiency. A person is, well, you say, I, 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 I'm, giving, I'm giving her enough loving. Gentle treatment. I'm treating her enough like a treasure. No, you don't discern how much you treat her by how much everybody else gets treated. You discern how much you treat her by how much she needs to be treated. You decide what kind of assurance she needs and you give it to her. You decide what kind of assurance he needs and you give it to him. The word beloved. It's the same word that is used where it says Christ. Love the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Ever dawn on you that God calls his people his peculiar treasure? I don't mean peculiar in the sense of being odd. I mean in the sense of being only one like you. God says we are his treasure and you're supposed to love your wife like Jesus loved the church. There's nothing wrong with your marriage that you couldn't cure if you just take these titles and live out these titles. He said, first step, he called a friend. That means first you start off liking somebody. Second, that means that you're partners together. You share something together. Third, you have things in common. Fourth, you become the spouse. That's harmony. You get along with each other. Fifth, you treat her like a princess and she treats you like a king. You treat each other like royalty. Sixth, then you, beloved is the next title that's used, and that's used again and again. Treasure. Whither is my beloved gone? She asked. Treasure. Now listen to me. Um, I'm not going to bring this house up here, Basher, but... Let's do sometimes. Sometimes, and I don't laugh at this because I realize that some women have problems with their weight. I'm not being critical tonight. But I want to say this. Sometimes you look at that little woman you married and look at her arms. Look at her neck. Look at her frame and realize she's not strong enough. She, could, she couldn't. 99% of the cases... She hadn't got a chance against you. She is fragile. God has listen, God has chosen the body of a woman as the first dwelling place of his creatures. My mother used to say to me, I listen, my mother used to say to me, son, 
most sacred thing on the face of this earth is the body of a little girl. My mother said, son, don't you ever hit a little girl. Don't you ever hit your sister. Oh, I wanted to many a time. Don't you ever hit your sister. And I never have hit my sister. My mother used to say, son, don't you ever be rough. Little girls. Now, that's why you're looking at a fellow that doesn't believe in women's sports. I don't believe in, in women having college basketball teams. I don't believe in it. I'm not mad at you if you do, but I just think that women are supposed to cheer men and not men cheer women. I don't like to see a woman jogging. Two of us. The two of us. I don't like to see a woman jogging. You guys over here, or you? Anyway. I, I believe in feminine, sweet, fragile women who are treasured by their men. Let's review it again quickly. Starts off liking each other. Now you get this progression, I promise you'll have a happy marriage. Starts off liking each other. Then you're partners in some venture. And then you have something in common. And then you become a spouse, harmony comes. And then you treat her like she's a princess and she treats you like you're a king. And then you treasure her as Christ treasured the church. Number six. She called him her chief. The chiefest, the chief of ten thousand. And the word there Hero. Now listen to me carefully. Your husband ought to be your number one hero. And you men ought to be so successful that you deserve that title. Let me illustrate. If he stands before a crowd of people and has built a church somewhere, ladies, he ought to be your hero. If he's a carpenter and has built a house, he ought to be your hero. If he owns a business and is successful in business, he ought to be your hero. If he works with his hands as a mechanic repairing cars, he ought to be your hero. I'm sick and tired of females going out to the United Center and cheering a bunch of men wearing underwear, bouncing a ball down a court. Put throwing it through a hook. Why don't you, you listen to me. Why don't you ladies got a husband works out those steel mills? Why don't you cheer him? You hear what I said? Why don't you cheer him? Don't you make a dumb Michael Jordan your hero. Make your husband your hero. Illustrate. Dr. Geragos opens someone's chest. Saves their life with heart bypass surgery. When he gets home, his gear goes ought to have a band playing. He ought to be our number one hero. Mrs. Jones out here. Dr. Jones the dentist. Dr. Jones owns his own dental company over here on in in, in Lansing, uh Kansas City on the district. She ought to be proud of him. He's built his own business. And she is. I'm not saying Miss Geargos is not. But I'm saying that, that, that here's a man that has gone to college and a man that's trained to be a dentist. And now that man is successful in his profession. His wife, he ought to be his wife's number one hero. Let's go to, I look at Randy Rogers back there. Randy Rogers built a painting business. Randy Rogers, on his own, built his own business and supported his family. He fell and he got paralyzed. And I'll tell you what, to me he's a hero. More of a hero than I think the quarterback is Eric, Eric Kramer is. More of a hero than Walter Payton was. 
I'm saying this, this gal said that her husband was her hero. Let's go a step further. I think of Bill Hassey. Bill Hassey has spent his life working on bridges, doing construction work, building bridges. I'm talking about 10 below zero. I'm talking about 110 in the shade. I'm talking about Bill Hassey is getting up in his, he's in his middle 60s, I imagine, and Bill Hassey has spent his life working, building roads, and building bridges. Hope I'm right here. I know, I know I'm pretty close. I can't think of anything that ought to be more admirable for a wife than for a husband to come home after working like that all day. I say he ought to be your hero, and I'm sure he is. Men, be a success in your field. Ladies, if he is a success. Oh, how do you know he's a success? Did you bring home a bacon? Did you make the house payment? Does he buy the food and the clothes? Then he ought to be your hero. Now, we've, we've gone through the progression. If you will like each other, and if you will be partners in each other and do things together, and if you will work on having things in common, and if you will be spouses, which is the word of harmony, and you'll get along with each other and, and live in harmony with each other, and if you'll treat her like a queen and a princess, and she'll treat you like a king. And if you will love her as a precious jewel or a precious piece of crystal or china, and treasure her. And if he will be your hero. I bet you she'll pluck her when you ask for a kiss. Now listen to me carefully, fellas. I'm very frank. No woman wants to be just a body. No woman wants to just be the, uh, okay, a sex object. I don't care if she's married. Now she, oh, boy, I'm about to kill myself here. My head is that everything, it doesn't move and stuff doesn't move. I hit my head more lately. I think it's my age. Not AIDS, age. Try it. Try liking her. Now you burn that coke. We have a little funny thing at our house. Every time that one piece of toast burned, his house said, your piece burned again. <laughs> the other day she said, I think God just wants you to have burned toast. It's always your piece that burned. And I say to her, I like things well done. I'm saying, quit your griping. If she doesn't clean the house like you think, like you think she ought to clean it, shut up. Like her. And like him. Do things together. Have things in common. Live in harmony as spouses. Treat her like a queen. Princess. Treat him like a king. Treasure her. You make him your hero. Now I'll say it again. No woman likes to feel like all you want is hugs and kisses and romance. Now she ought to, she, a woman ought to always yield herself to any, any advances her husband brings, whether she likes the way he does it or not. First Corinthians chapter 7 says she's supposed to. The fellows, I'll tell you what. You treat her like this, it'll make her a lot more romantic than seeing you walk around a house in a pair of shorts. In fact, it'll make her more unromantic in most cases. Ask Mrs. Burr. So what I'm saying, like her, be her partner, get along with her, Treat her like a princess, treasure her, and be a success, and watch her snuggle up to you. If she feels like it's her you want, 
her heart, her mind, her soul, her body. She'll be a lot more loving than if all you want. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. And if all you want is just some romance. I'm through, but I want to say this. I'm alarmed at the people in this room that don't get along any better than the unsaved people down at the tavern do. I'm alarmed at that. Now, God's given us a precious little book here. I've given you tonight every name they called each other and what those names meant. Every time that he addressed her or she addressed him, and called, not, not the figures of speech, but, 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 but the nouns. I've given you the nouns, every noun in the Song of Solomon that they called each other. If you will take those nouns, and if you will do what those nouns mean, I promise you, you're going to have a happier marriage. Not perfect, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. But you're going to have a happier marriage. Let me go through it one more time, and I'll just list it. Friend, that means you like them, like each other. And it means you're partners. You share endeavors together. Sister, that means same kind. That means you have things in common. Spouse, the word harmony, that means you get along with each other. Princess and king, that means you treat each other like royalty. Beloved, that means that you love each other as Christ loved the church and the husband treasures his wife as Christ treasures the church. And chief, he's your hero. And you men deserve it because you are a success. All of those things together, I'll promise you, it'll be a long time before you'll call the marriage counselor. I trust that message was an encouragement to you and your family. Hope for the Home is designed to provide information, encouragement, and challenge that our homes would be more pleasing to God. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming messages.